All right, the Mets tonight will try to play, but because of the weather and maybe the stops and starts, they're pushing DeGrom back and will start Montero. So Montero will start because I guess they're worried they might get stops and starts. They don't want to lose DeGrom's start. So that actually makes sense to me. So they will move DeGrom back to tomorrow, and they will pitch Montero they're going to try and play tonight, but that actually makes sense because you don't want the ground to go out there for three innings and then get rained out. Uh, that 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 doesn't work for you, uh, or three or four innings and get rained out. So uh, I, I don't have a problem with that. that that's okay. Um, Mark Feinstein, who covered the Yankees for all those years uh, for the Yan- Daily News, now is working for MLB.com. He covers the, the Major League Baseball beat uh, for MLB.com now. Uh, he's got a Yankee book out. The New York Yankees fans bucket list, which I'm sure Mark's crestfallen that he doesn't have that new uh, judge thing in there, you know, to, for people to do, but he'll have that in the uh, paperback version when it comes out, uh, or the next version when it comes out. So you can get the book at Triumph Books, available at uh, Amazon, or wherever books are sold, and most of them are sold at Amazon, as we know, because everything is sold at Amazon, as we know. Amazon has virtually decided that they are going to completely conquer the world, and they are about halfway there. Uh, Mark, what's going on? I'm just looking forward to the day where my book can be delivered by drone from Amazon. Uh, that'll happen. Don't that. worry. Listen, Amazon <laughs> will rule. I mean, they're on about halfway there to rule in the world, so they're, they're, they're almost there. I mean, they, they're that Pretty good. Pretty amazing. Yes, they are. Pretty amazing. Yes, they are. Um, um, so you are now cover- Are you? is your beat everybody, or are you still basically – dealing mostly with the Yankees. Well, I'm, you know, I'm still based in New York in the New York area, so I'm still at the Yankees more than anywhere else. I stop into the Mets, maybe, you know, day trip down to the Phillies, you know, a lot of it depends on who they're playing or uh, you know, but uh, this week I wrote about Bryce Harper, I wrote about the Royals. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sort of uh Taking on the whole league, but obviously based out of this. All area, right, let, let me let me start with the let, let me start with the Royals for a second for this reason. I actually was stunned last night at how out of the game Kane was. He, I mean, his attitude was almost remarkably like he could be anywhere else than here, and it seemed maybe that's what's permeating that team right now. You know, Mike, I think you're a hundred percent right. I talked to a few people at the Royals the other day. Uh, when I was at the stadium, and it seems like that fire they had, that attitude they had when they won the World Series a couple years ago and got to the World Series in back-to-back years is missing this year. And you've got five guys headed for free agency, uh, and you know, one person that I spoke to said it almost seems like there's more concern over personal stats and not getting hurt and getting to free agency with some of these guys than there is with uh, with winning and then having that sort of you know all-out attitude that they had a couple years ago uh, when they emerged and really became a force. So uh, I think you're right. I think there is an attitude problem. And, you know, the GM, Dayton Moore, came out and said he's not ready to pack it in. He's not ready to have a fire sale. He still thinks this team can win. But if they don't turn something around soon, uh, you know, all those pending free agents are going to be uh, shipped out at some point here. All right. Uh, the the Yankees are a big surprise. An even bigger surprise is the Minnesota Twins. I mean, who just went down and wrecked the Orioles. I know they field great. I know Sano is doing great. What's the other reasons why the Twins are doing so well? Well, what's amazing, I mean, their run differential is four runs. So it's not like they're pounding the ball. It's not like they're, you know, doing anything great. Their road record, they're 14-5 and five away from home. Uh, and, and, you know, mediocre teams don't usually succeed away from home. They have a losing record at Target Field, and they're 14-5 and five away from home. Uh, they're off to a really good start. They've got some young players who are injecting some energy into that team. It seems like every other day we see a highlight reel catch from Buxton in a huge spot. 
you know, that one he made against the wall the other day, you know, it was a huge, it was a huge catch in a big spot uh, and helped save a game for them. Uh, and I, some of these, some of these young guys we've been hearing about are finally coming up and, uh, and playing well. And the fact that the AL central is very mediocre at the moment where, you know, the Tigers are a game under 500. Yep. The Indians are just barely over. Yep. Uh, you know, we were talking about the Royals. They're eight games under and they're only seven and a half out of first. So, uh, you know, it's a really mediocre division. The Twins better keep it up because you can't imagine that the Indians and even the Tigers are going to. Yeah, the Indians are going to. Indians are too good. They're going to run away. I mean, eventually they'll get the act together, get everything together, and they'll run away. Uh, they are under 500 at home, which is amazing. Uh, so they'll get it going. The other team, before we get to the Yankees, is Colorado. Uh, listen, Bud Black was always underrated, no, the number one. Uh, they're winning away from home, which tells you that they're pitching. Because if they're winning away from home, they have to pitch to do that. At home, they can slug it. And on the road, they got to pitch. And they're doing, they got some very good young pitches. And they've obviously got a great performance from Holland this year. Yeah, the, the Holland was a really good under the radar signing. Everybody sort of said, well, he wants a lot of money and he hasn't pitched and he's coming off the Tommy John. But uh, he's really stabilized the back end of that bullpen. Their, their bullpen's been stupendous. Uh, and a lot of those young starters have really been good. And like you said, they've been able to win away from home. Uh, I think they're 11 games over 500 on the road this year. Uh, and obviously they've got the bats to slug it out at home. Arenado, we talked about this right before the season, Mike. Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt, to me, are the two most underrated players in this game. People don't realize just how good they are because they play in Colorado and Arizona. And I remember we talked about this like the week of opening day. And those are teams... You were talking about Colorado. Yeah, I was just saying, you know, when, you, when you've got a, a top five player, a top eight player, wherever you want to put them in, in Milton Arenado, uh, we talked about it before the season. Arenado and Gold, those two guys are so underrated, and they're so good. And you look at the top of the division right now, and you've got the Rockies and the Diamondbacks, and those two guys anchoring their lineups. They've gotten some pitching. Pitching's been good, not great. They don't have the best pitching in the league, but it's kept them in a lot of games, and then they've been able to score the run. So, you know, with the Giants having a really down year, you still expect the Dodgers are going to be the team to make the noise in that division. But uh, to this point, you know, we're almost at Memorial Day. Colorado and Arizona are both really good. And 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 last year the Cubs. The one thing about them, when everybody you know just said they they couldn't lose this year, and I'm sure they'll make the playoffs. But last year they had five pitches, not one of them missed the start, and they all pitched really well. I mean, that's unusual that that's going to happen in back to back years. It never happens. And even look, Arietta's made all his starts, but he's been terrible for most of the year. Uh, Arietta to me is having the same type of season that Tanaka's having for the Yankees, where. Not hurt. They say he's fine, but he's just not getting it done. And you know, with the Cubs, you, you can't you can't expect them to be the team they were last year if Arietta's not going out there and giving them really strong effort every five days. You know, Hendricks has, has been okay, not as good as he was last year. Uh, you know, Lester's still Lester, but uh, you're right. If that rotation is not going to be what it was last season, uh, it's going to be tough for them to go out and do what they didn't you know, in 2016. Talking with Mark Feinstein. All right, the Yankees. Um... What was your projection before the season started? Obviously, uh, nobody had them this good, but what, what, what did you think was going to happen? I had them contending for a wild card, you know, mid to high 80s, 85, 87 wins, uh, you know, maybe, maybe sneaking in the playoffs. I thought they'd be good and competitive. Um, but that said, if you had told me everything that was going to happen in the first two months, especially in the first month, I would have thought that season would be a disaster. I mean, you figure – Bird, they've got, what, five hits from him this year or something like that. Sanchez missed a month. Didi missed a month. Tanaka's been terrible. Uh, Chapman's hurt. All these things are not the, the winning formula for the Yankees. So uh, the fact that they are where they are, 10 games over 500, and with a couple of game lead in the division, uh, with all of that happening, 
tells me that, you know, this team may actually be better than we all thought. Well, also, they've gotten a lot of career years, though. Hicks has been tremendous. Judge has been tremendous. Castro has been tremendous. Didi, since he came back, has been tremendous. Romine, Torres, guys like that filled in really well. Gaudy's gone on a tear. So the guys who've played really have, have and their bullpen's been excellent, the guys who played really have put up tremendous numbers. Right, and so when you figure if Gary Sanchez, now that he's back and healthy, if he hits, not the way he did last year for those two months because he's not going to hit 60 home runs. But if he comes back and gives them some power uh, and Bird comes off the DL and he plays the way we saw him play in spring training, you know, some of those other guys that you talked about can have a little bit of a dip and the production will still be there team-wide. So uh, really encouraging to me that Castro uh, has kept it up for almost two months. Because remember last year when he first got here, he was red hot in April and everyone was like, oh, the Yankees got to steal. And then he really cooled off. So the fact that he's been able to keep this up for almost two months uh, really positive sign for the Yankees, I think. Yeah, I mean, they, they've got some very good young... And everyone says Torres is a can't-miss, so you fl- you put him in the mix next year, and they got some good athletic players now. Yeah, I went down to Trenton a few weeks ago and saw him play and uh, talked to people down there. And uh, I've yet to meet anybody who thinks this kid is not the real deal. Uh, I don't know anybody who says he's going to do it this year, and I know with the promotion of Triple A, some talk about, uh, you know, Headley doesn't get it going, but I think the Yankees really like Headley. I don't see them... Uh, pulling a quick trigger on him. Uh, but I think Torres, you know, he's part of their plans for next season for sure. Uh, assuming that he goes to AAA and, and continues doing what he's been doing, uh, everybody I've spoken to just loves this kid and thinks he's going to be, uh, you know, a superstar. How surprised are you by Judge? Uh, I'm not surprised by the power. I think the, the average, the plate discipline, the on base, that's surprising me. Uh, we knew this guy could hit the ball a mile. That's not even a question. Um, but, you know, we, we saw him come up last year, and he struck out one out of every two at bat. And much more coordinated, much more complete player than he looked like last year. You know, his, his defense doesn't really shock me. He's a big guy, and you, you wonder how he's going to move out there. But I remember seeing him in spring training last year and, and being struck by how smooth he moves out there and how athletic he is. Um, but the plate discipline was going to be the biggest question mark for him, uh, and he obviously made some adjustments this winter and worked pretty hard, and uh, you look at what he's been able to do uh, in terms of laying off some of those you know, terrible pitches that he was flailing at last year. Uh, it seems like whatever he's done uh, has been, been successful. Now the pitchers in the league are going to make adjustments to him, and that's the challenge for every young player is uh, once the league's seen you one, one turnaround, can you do it again the second turn? That's really what's going to be telling when it comes to Aaron Judge. All right. Uh... Tell me what you think of the Mets. Well, I think they need some bullpen help, uh, oh, or they're de- really, really in a bad way. <laughs> desperately. I mean, it's just, um, uh, just desperately. You know, it's interesting, Mike. We talked about coming into the season about how, uh, you know, the, the rotation was, was obviously the strength of the team, and, and plans went, went awry with injuries and everything else. Uh, but, you know, you look, the rotation's been okay, um, but, you know, you can't, you can't hold down a lead after seven innings. It's just... Uh, you know, familiar, obviously, with the injury and then suspension and just not being what he was last year is a, is a big hit to them. Um, and I just feel like, you know, it's almost like you look at the Nationals, it's almost the same situation with the bullpen where you hand off a lead to the bullpen and you just hold your breath and, and you pray because uh, uh, right now there's just there's very little hope that they're going to hold it down. And if they do, it's going to be an adventure getting there. Talking with Mark Feinstein, and he's got his book out. All right, tell me what's in the book. The Yankees fans' bucket list, which doesn't have the new uh, judge gimmick in it, which I don't like, but uh, give me the uh, things on the Yankees. What is number one? Is it a list like in rating them? Is there a number one, two, or is it just a bunch of bullet points of what you should do? 
it's five chapters. The first chapter is all about Yankee Stadium, game day in the Bronx, uh, you know, things to do, events to go to, old-timers day, uh, opening day, playoff games, etc. Monument Park, the Yankees Museum. Basically, it's an all-encompassing guide to being a Yankee fan and uh, getting the most out of this team. So you've got, you've got a chapter on the stadium in the Bronx. You've got a chapter on road trips you can take, you know, Baltimore being my personal favorite for any Yankee fan, just given how close it is and how kind of feels like a home game down great, there. A great ballpark, too. And a great ballpark. Yeah, I love and a great the ballpark, baseball yeah. city. Yeah, and it is, that, and it's a great, it really is, a, and they don't draw that well, which is amazing, but I mean, so you can sit anywhere if you're a Yankee fan, but it's, it's a wonderful ballpark to see a game in, it really is. And, and the fact that the Orioles have been good the last five years and gotten to the playoffs three times has really kind of rejuvenated that town yep. in terms of baseball, and it's really a fun atmosphere. Uh, you know, the harbor's great, they got the Babe Ruth Museum right downtown, so uh, another stop for every Yankee fan to make. Uh, and then the other things I did was, you know, you didn't want this whole book to just be about things you need money to go do. So it was about things you should learn and know about the history of the team, uh, great moments, great players, broadcasters, et cetera. Um, and then uh, took a fun look at the end about some things you can do in your own house to enhance your fandom, like watching the old Yankees on Saturday Night Live and, and Seinfeld and reading some great old books and movies and just, uh, you know, talk to Billy Crystal about his Yankee movie for a while. We did a lot in the book on that. Talked to Bernie Williams about his music career and going to see him in concert. So we tried to attack it from a few different angles and had some fun with it. And I was, uh, I'm really pleased with the way it turned out. I think every Yankee fan, every baseball fan in general should enjoy it. All right. What's the, the, the stadium one? What's the, what's the big thing on the stadium one? Well, I think, you know, aside from the obvious opening day, old timers day, I think for any fan, the experience of sitting in the bleachers and doing the roll call with the bleacher creatures is really a fun, uh, a fun thing to do. To me, the one thing that really stood out. Can you was the get Yankees. tickets around the, the around those guys? If are those available, or are they gone for the season? Um, you know, I think they're available. Like anything's available on, on StubHub. Right, or, so or they're on they're on so, so you can you buy them on StubHub. Okay, if you want them, you can find them. Gotcha. Uh, and for anybody who goes to the stadium, most people don't even know this thing exists. There is a little museum in the right field corner of Yankee Stadium that's got. Thurman Munson's original locker from the old stadium. It's got all the World Series trophies from the Steinbrenner era, all the rings, some great exhibits. It's like a little miniature Yankees exhibit from the Hall of Fame, basically. Uh, and it's, there's some really interesting and really fascinating stuff. They do a good job, and it's free for anybody with a ticket at the stadium. Uh, so most people don't even realize it's there. Uh, I get there a little early and go check that out because there's some really, really fun stuff in there. All right. So right now, who did you pick to go to the World Series this year? <laughs> I can't admit that out loud again. It was the Blue Jays and the Mets. The Blue Oh geez, you've had a rough start. I didn't even know yeah, that. Blue- I, I didn't I wasn't trying to be cruel. I didn't I didn't realize that. The yeah, Blue Jays been, and the Mets. Gone well so if I give year. you a mulligan, okay, who would you what would you say right uh, a quarter of the season in on Memorial Day weekend, what would you say now? Well, again, I think it's hard to pick against yeah, the but because I think okay. they'll they'll make a move. Okay. Uh, you know, they'll make a move to, to get a pitcher or get somebody. Theo's not going to just rest and say, oh, we won last year, it's okay. So I think the Cubs are still the best lineup in the National League, and I think they'll make the move uh, to get it done. And I, I like Houston. I think they're going to add a pitcher as well. Uh, their, their lineup is really good. I think the veteran presence of McCann and Beltran uh, has helped. And those, those young, I mean, you saw what they did in New York a couple weeks ago. Those young hitters are just really talented. Lineup's really good. Keiko and McCullers are a great one, too. And if they can get another pitcher, and the guy that I'm envisioning in Houston is, is Johnny Cueto, because uh, the Giants are all but a lost cause this year, uh, you add a guy like Cueto to that rotation, and uh, all of a sudden that's going to be a really dangerous team. Yeah, you heard Stroman's name a lot, too. I don't know if he'd be available. You know, you hear that name, too. Uh, and there's probably going to be a good number of pitches available this year. 
I, I think there will be. You know, I mean, the Blue Jays have come back to, you know, some respectable play at least. They're five under. But if things don't get better for them in July, they've got some, some arms they can are they build. Are they trying to trade Donaldson? Uh, I don't think so. I think they'll they'll take offers and see what's out there. But, uh, you know, they do have them under control for another year. Uh, I don't think put it so I don't think they're going to take any sort of a discounted deal for him. Maybe in the off season, uh, you know, knowing he's going to make a ton of money next year in arbitration. But um, you know, I, I don't. I, right now, he's the only thing they have to build around on that team. Uh, and unless unless Mark Shapiro is prepared to just break the entire thing down and start from scratch, uh, that's going to be a hard one to sell to your fans. And you mentioned we're talking about Mark Feinstein. I, uh, you mentioned uh, doing some stuff on Harper. His name comes up, and there's always this idea that you know, there's always this uh, kinetic attraction between the Yankees and Harper that's somehow, you know, in both of their DNA, that, you know, if, if Harper's available, the Yankees would have to go after him, and Harper's always dreamt because of his dad to be a Yankee and all this stuff. Do you think, A, Washington will ever allow him to be a free agent, uh, or and they have, and we know they have plenty of money, and they're a rich franchise, will that ever come to fruition? And if he's ever on the market in your mind, do you see the Yankees with all this young talent that they have in the regular day lineup going after a guy who'd probably cost them, what, $350 million probably? Well, I think yes and yes. I think he will be a free agent. There's no question about it because, uh, you know, Scott Boris doesn't... So you don't think, he, even if Washington breaks the bank, you don't think he'll do it? I, first of all, I think part of the reason that they made this one-year deal for next year already where there's no arbitration, there's not going to be hearings, there's nothing contentious, uh, was just to, to keep the relationship smooth you know, drama-free for the next 17 months, but the Nationals know damn well that he is not going to sign a deal. Even if they give agent. him stupid money, that he, you, I, don't think I think, you think he'll go free agent? I think that, that Boris and Harper believe there's going to be stupider money out there. Okay. Uh, and, and given, you know, if he goes out and wins the MVP this year and then has another great year next year, uh, you know, and if the, he is, the limit. and let's be honest, the one thing he brings that the other guys haven't yet is he is star attraction. I mean, he, he is, is a he's, huge star right, attraction. Enormous, and, and he's left-handed power, which I think still matters. Even though Cash said today he doesn't care that much for left-handed power anymore, that's always been the Yankee way. I mean, he would be perfect for Yankee Stadium. Uh, do you think the Yankees, w- it would be impossible for them to resist his charms? Well, I think he actually makes sense for them, believe it or not, because with all of this young talent, guys like Judge and Sanchez and Bird, they're not making any money for three or four more years. Now, next year, I think the Yankees are going to do their best to get under that luxury tax threshold, reset that luxury tax so that you're not paying exorbitant tax fees on your big guys. And this way, but every time, time, every time they try to do that, it it never happens. Right, but this year they've got CC coming off the books. They've got Alex coming off. I the agree, books. but if they get uh, into it this year and pick up a pitcher late that's getting paid, that could change again. You know, I don't think they pick up a pitcher who's got years left. I think the pitchers who are going to be out there are going to be the guys whose contracts are up this year or next year. Okay, but probably this year. I, I don't. I don't think they take on enough money this year to counter it. And plus, remember. That threshold number goes up to one ninety seven. It does, yeah. But but something so, always happens with them. But let's see if you're it right. It could they, it I understand how important it is to re, to reset it. That's number one. They've been trying to do I, that for years. They came real close a couple of years ago and it didn't happen. Remember that yeah, year where they, they were coming close? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So they were coming close and it didn't happen. Now, so you think what what would you realistically put the the bid at for him? Is he three? Is he more than three hundred and fifty million? He he probably is. But here's the thing, Mike. It's all paper. It's all nonsense because whatever contract he signs, he's going to be 26 years old, he's going to have an opt-out after 
four years probably. So he hits the market again as a free agent at 30. Just like A-Rod's contract with Texas, where 252, it looks huge and, and ridiculous, but there was an opt-out, and, and he was going to take it. Now, Alex's opt-out was seven years in. Harper's going to be four years in. He's going to be 30 years old when he is a free agent again. So you're going to have to look at that contract most likely as a four-year deal. I would figure about 140, something like that, 35 million a year, which is what Trout's going to be getting at that point from the Angels in the back end of his contract. So, so you think, think you think that the biggest thing you told me was you don't think because I always figured Washington, which you know, is one of the richest franchises in baseball. They have a ton yeah. of money. They have a phenomenal amount of money. Uh, so they can sign him without any stress at any point. You don't think, even if they say here, you know, you fill in the numbers, you know, and you're here for life, you don't think he takes, he and Boris, now historically they don't, but if you give him a contract that can't be topped, why not take it? I spoke to somebody the other day, I was talking to somebody about the fact that they signed their deal for next year, and I said, was there, you know, this person knows what was going on inside the negotiations, and I said, was there any talk whatsoever about anything beyond 2018, and what I was told was it didn't come up and it's not going to. So I think, you know, from Harper's side of it, they're they're going for agency. I mean, you can see them on one hand the number of big-time Boris guys who have signed extensions before when they were this close to free No agency. question. I Stratford thought he might be the rare one because of how much money they have there. That's the reason why, you know, because yeah, they do Stratford, have a phenomenal amount of money. Strasburg did it, but I think that was more of a fear of injury. Uh, the only guys who have really done that and stayed with the team because they wanted to are the guys who were later in their career. Greg Maddox used to tell Boris, you know, just just get me whatever you can from the Braves. I want to stay here. Um, but most most guys, you know, when you have Scott Boris as an agent, he's he's one of the best at what he does, and he's you know he gets results for his guys. And I just think Bryce Harper, 26 years old, free agent potentially two-time MVP, maybe three-time, who knows what happens. Do you think he uh, wants the Yankees, or do you think he just wants the most money, doesn't care where he plays? I think he wants the most money for the best team he can find, and I think the Yankees ideally offer him both. He has to be excited by the idea of joining a lineup where he'd be playing with Judge and Sanchez and Bird and Torres, etc., uh, and knowing that you know he doesn't have to go and plus carry his the father load is by a, this, plus his father is a Mickey Mantle nut, right? I mean, yeah. so that's part of it too. Yeah, you know, I mean, I don't know if he wears thirty four because it adds up to seven like Mantle, like Giambi used to do. But uh, yeah, big Mickey Mantle guy, and uh, the most fascinating part of Bryce Harper's free agency to me, the winter meetings that year when he's a free agent are in Vegas, which is where he's from. And I could just see Scott Boris renting out the Thomas and Mack Center for his uh, press conference. Wow. So, uh, <laughs> interesting. All right, Mark, thanks very much. Good luck with the book. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. All right, Mark Fysan. So, for you Yankee fans, you know, uh, that makes Julio's once, he's always wanted Harper. He's been a big Harper guy. So, I always thought that the, I know it's Boris, but I thought if Washington just said, hey, listen, tell us what the figure is, we're going to say yes. We want to sign a guy. You know, I thought that they would they would get them because they do have an outrageous amount of money. Washington, I mean, they can they can afford anybody. They have an, an they are very 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 wealthy. And uh, sounds like he's going to go free agent. If he does, do the Yankees break the bank to bring him in? Because it will be breaking the bank to bring him in. That's no question. He will cost a fortune. You're talking about maybe upwards. I mean, I understand that what Mark's saying, there'll be an opt-out in the contract, but the contract in its entirety, which you have to honor in that it could be completed, could be in the $400 million range back after this.